Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1, 39-41 Hey everybody, I'm Reagan Gilliland. And I'm Stephanie Reed Meyer. And this is Off Script, the podcast where every week we are going to take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, get a chance to discuss the parts that didn't quite make it into the sermon that are on the cutting room floor. And I'm excited today because I don't have to talk to Chris. I just get to talk to Stephanie. Such a better trade off. <laughs> Such a better trade off. Um, so first of all, I have to first acknowledge your children's moment in, um, in <laughs> modern when because <laughs> Uh, we were donating pajamas. Yep. To, to Casa. To Casa. And you had some there already. And maybe I didn't explain to the kids well enough what was happening. Because <laughs> what what happened? Um, a few of our friends wanted to pick out their own pajamas. <laughs> Correct. To take home. And they went through the mall and picked their favorite. Yeah. And when there are only six kids up there. Yeah. And two of them are doing that. It's a whole can of worms yeah i literally laughed out as because i watched it later you know um that day and <laughs> when you're like um we'll talk about you can ask your mom about that later okay you're just you're trying to plow through the children because i have to preach right after right. children's time and i don't know if people like realize like what an awkward transition that is mm-hmm. to like be down there with kids who are trying to take pajamas and when i tell them we're actually donating these to kids in need they said well we need these because <laughs> right. we didn't bring our pjs because they weren't wearing pjs which as a child these right. all these kids are like first grade and under so like these are littles yeah. and so in their heads like that makes sense they don't have pajamas mm-hmm. they need these right right now it was so great and when you had set them out earlier that morning <laughs> Either like all on the ground, you're like, it looks like kids got taken from like the rapture. rapture. <laughs> Cause it's just like Cause we just had them laid out. <laughs> They're just clothes hanging. Um, There's some behind the scenes. Yep. I feel like your kids are much more talkative. Like, I don't know if the kids get very overwhelmed in the sanctuary. Yeah. But they don't really talk much. No. And I think it helps that I, like, talk to these kids every week. Like, before yeah. service, I go say hi. And after service. And when they're up there, they're like, huh, this is the preacher lady that we like yeah. to talk to. <laughs> and they say the darndest things. The other kids, I was like, okay, can you put your hands on the pajamas so we can pray over them? They said, we don't need pajamas. We're wearing ours. And I was like, no, <laughs> we're going to pray over all of them. It was just. Overall. Great, Very confusing. Great moment. <laughs> Super impactful. Also, um, our advent lighting, two of the candles didn't work. So our advent lighting should have taken 30 seconds. And it took like three minutes because oh, I no. had to go find a lighter and a different wick. It was just great. <laughs> Overall, total successful sermon. A plus of a Sunday. <laughs> uh, well, let's still talk about your sermon because great. It, was, it was great. <laughs> we can talk about it. Okay. So you open up your sermon by talking about the book Little Woman, and I was wondering if you could tell us what kind of story it is. Yeah, so I uh, kind of show off in my sermon, which I you really did. You flex. I, I try not big. to. I really want people to come and be at whatever space they're in and feel like they can hear the message. But I threw in the wor- word that the Little Women novel is uh-huh. a buildings roman, which 
let me just go ahead and say it as I read it. Bill Dung's Roman. That's Correct. what it looks like. That's how it's spelt. <laughs> so. Uh, so if you didn't know, I was an English lit major. And like, I wasn't just someone who like needed, like, I love literature. And so a building's Roman is a coming of age story, which is what Little Women is. So in one of my like advanced senior courses, we had to do a like 30 page paper on a building's Roman. And I picked Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And you can't just do one Harry Potter right. because he doesn't like that's a year. Yeah. So you have to do from book one to book seven. So you, that's the coming of age. So you picked the hardest series. Correct. That's but cool. I didn't cover Harry potter i covered hermione okay so i'll send y'all if you're bored someday and want to read 30 pages about hermione and her development from book one <laughs> but to book that's seven. a lot of books i mean that's thousands and thousands of pages yeah but if you've all read them all like five to ten times it's not a big deal it's, not a big it's deal. kind of like a gift in a class yeah. yeah but i don't think i've literally ever heard that term Maybe well i just now commit it. it to memory i only knew it from that class so now I use it. How everywhere. do you say it again? Buildings Roman. That's always going to be Buildings Roman. So yeah, we, don't say dungs. I know that's what seems. makes it so great. There's dung. <laughs> Kids middle. are like giggling listening to I this. <laughs> she keeps saying dungs. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the whole story is about the March sisters and how they grow up. So it starts when they're children and it kind of ends. They're not like old people, but they're they're like well into adulthood, which is really old. Which is really old. It's fine. Which brings me to my next question. <laughs> You mentioned how the March girls are in a relationship with people of all ages and help take care of those who are in different generations. Is that why you're my friend? Yes. I feel a very high call in my life to take care of old people like Reagan. <laughs> um, and that's why we're friends. Yep. So, <laughs> and I'm older and wiser. She, you're not that old. I actually <laughs> teach her things. You're going to make people believe you're old. <laughs> They're like, aren't you having a baby? Well, that's very biblical of her to yes. be old. And yes. have a baby. I'm basically biblical. Elizabeth. <laughs> very biblical. Um, okay, but so in Little Women, the March sisters, they take care of this family in need that have these very young children. Mm -hmm. So they actually take their Christmas feasts to them. Um, and actually, they catch a disease from them. Anyway, so it's a whole thing. But they also take care of an elderly neighbor and their great aunt March, who I reference in the recent film is Meryl Streep. So mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it, reason enough, Meryl Streep is in it. But they take care of people in all different kinds of generations. So I think, Reagan, your question was, have we lost that? Yeah. So do you see that playing out? Or yeah. have we kind of lost that? Yeah. So I think it just depends. I'm sure there are some people out there who may be listening to this or listen to the sermon and they're like, you know, you talked about intergenerational, but I've got that. I really mm -hmm. am great about being in relationship with people younger and older. But I think in general, we are not as interconnected. And I think it's been clear in the pandemic because we are all so isolated. But I think it was becoming clear pre-pandemic, too, because I think technology tricks us into thinking that we are more connected than we actually are. I think that we're like, you know, I can talk to all these people through all these venues at any time. I can text whoever. But each generation has their own kind of mode of communication. So like for my grandparents, if you're not going to pick up a phone and call them, mm -hmm. you may not get a text or email back for a week. Yeah. And that's really how they prefer to communicate. I hate it. <laughs> but <laughs> if I want to be in relation with them from afar, I have to pick up the phone and call them. Um, my 13 year old cousin, Aiden, if I text him, he sends me a TikTok back. Um, and sometimes I don't understand if it's a yes or a no to the question and I'm 
asking, yep. uh, but it's a funny TikTok. <laughs> so we just, we have these different ways of communicating. And I think technology has even made those contrasts starker between each of us. Uh, so I do think it's an issue. I think we can all do better at learning from those older and younger than us than we currently are doing. Yeah. There's, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this podcast. I always bring it up in marriage classes. Um, they did this study about the health of uh, this one community and the whole community, like everyone lived like intergenerational, which was like a common thing, which not many people no. do that anymore. I mean, we're maybe moving toward that. They're starting to build newer homes, you know, that have like kind of the built in like front, almost like in-law suite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like separate, but together. Also, housing prices are so expensive that people are like, let's, let's go in together. Yeah. Um, but this one community, it showed like their health was so much better. And there was other circumstances too. Sure. Like um, it was just more community based. They weren't like traveling or commuting to work and all this stuff. But how it impacts marriages is, is that now, because we don't have intergenerational relationships as much, like a lot of people go into marriage saying like, my spouse is going to be my everything and they were never meant to, to be that. Correct. And that's why having like people at different ages and stages to be in relationship and talk to is so, so important. Yeah. Hear this. Your spouse is not meant to be your everything. Yeah. No. So I just thought that was. No, uh, it's super helpful. Interesting. Jake and I, um, we have relationships with, we're friends. Relationship sounds like sketchy. We are <laughs> friends um, with a lot of single people. Uh, and we don't take it as like, oh, we need to teach them what it's like to be married. But a lot of our single friends miss out on some community stuff that mm-hmm. happens with young family because they're not at that stage yet. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to hang out with their parents, but they still want to be around little kids and they want to like sit at a dinner table and not feel awkward. Um, and so we've tried to be intentional about those relationships. If you're listening, I'm not your friend to check a box. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's genuine in yeah. that we really think we can learn from one another and they help keep us up to date on like TikToks. Yeah. Which is important. So it's a win-win. <laughs> That's all people want in life. That's all they want. But no, I do think we should kind of gain that back somehow. So if you don't have people that are like a stage or two ahead of you yeah. or a stage or two behind you, I really think you're missing out. I don't know. Actually, I don't, I don't think I'm skipping ahead, but I think that as I sit here and think about that question, all of the intergenerational relationships I have are actually because of church like, um, specifically, like I have some friends here, but I'm, I'm comparatively new to mm-hmm. this congregation. And so I used to work at university park United Methodist church and I have a bunch of like old ladies who are like my friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we hang yeah. out, we talk, um, we have, um, seasonal parties and different things yeah. and it's so important. I didn't realize how much you need someone who's not your mom, who's not your grandmother, who's outside of your sphere right? to be a perspective giver. Yeah. That's... And especially when big things happen mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being in a church, we, at least United Methodist churches, 
they are pretty intergenerational. Mm-hmm. That isn't true of every congregation. But in modern worship, if you were to come in and traditional, you can see the tiniest of people and then the oldest of people, and they're all there worshiping together. Um, and then when something big happens in your life, you have all these people from different generations who can get it, who understand and have this different perspective, which is really beautiful. And it's interesting because I think sometimes we don't see it this way, but there are a lot of older people who, when me and Blake have hit hard times or Mm -hmm. something has happened or we need help, we've had people show up for us in a way that you kind of, that honestly, younger people don't have bandwidth or money or time to do. Right. Um, And it's really life-giving to those people, too, because they love to get to care for you, to get to be that for you. And there's lots of situations that lots of folks are in where they don't have those people to love on in that way for reasons, too. So you're kind of – it's a symbiotic, symbiotic relationship. It works both ways for sure. Yeah. So um, you kind of mentioned this, but so obviously we don't know who's like – Mary's mother is not like mentioned, but why do, why do you think she went to Elizabeth rather than her own mother or some other relative? What do you think? Yeah. As I read this passage to kind of prep, I asked myself that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, because like Chris and I, when we, when this scripture came up for Advent, we didn't talk like, oh, this is going to be an intergenerational. Like this is completely my read on this. Yeah. When you go listen to Chris's sermon next week, he probably most likely will not focus on this. So as I read the scripture, that's kind of what drew me here is why did Mary go to Elizabeth, go to this woman in such a different stage of life? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe cousins were really close back then, but it seems kind of random to go to your old lady cousin who's prego um, (laughs) once you get this really big news. Uh, So, and I don't, we don't know if Mary knew Elizabeth was pregnant. Like we are not given any of that. Uh, So it is very interesting. And I'm led to believe that she goes to Elizabeth because she feels like that's a safe space Mm -hmm. and because that they do have this commonality now that they share. They are both, you know, pregnant with um, very important people Mm -hmm. in their society. Not that they know all of those details right Right. now. But both experiencing unexpected pregnancies. For sure. Yeah. And that's the hard thing about scripture is we don't always get the background or the motivation for what (laughs) happened. So there's a lot of speculation, which I think is fun because we get to kind of dream and kind of set the scene. Mm -hmm. Or just the Holy Spirit drawing her to go to Elizabeth, you know. We have no idea, right? There's a, you know, Mary somewhat understands what's happening as much as you can to her, you know. And so I think she really did believe. But as I was reading this and listening to your sermon, you know, Elizabeth, when she encounters Mary, John the Baptist, who is who she's carrying, leaps for joy. So do you feel like Elizabeth maybe was the first one to really believe and know? I don't know. I, just, yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm well, like, maybe she was the first one because she was like, oh, she kind of like proclaims it a little bit. Yeah. She's the first one to say it out loud other than an angel, which right. who counts an angel anyways. <laughs> uh, but this is one of those questions, Reagan. I don't know. I do like to think I agree with you that Mary did know a little bit about what was happening. I mean, she said to the angel, let it be with me, as you've said. So I like to think that she kind of she didn't know exactly what she was getting into because there's a lot of lawyers there. Um, But I think that is interesting. If Elizabeth is the first one to like say this is truly the son of God. And how that gave Mary probably 
comfort or peace or just that confirmation of like, oh my gosh. Yes. And that's kind of my whole premise of my sermon, I think, is that Elizabeth verbalizes, hey, this is a great, joyful thing you have. Mm -hmm. This is a space where we welcome that, where we find joy in that. And I think, I like to think that's what motivates Mary to then sing, to bring about this Magnificat that Mm -hmm. we read of. Yeah. Okay, so what if Mary had bumped into Zacharias? There's so many what ifs here. I know. (laughs) I just like to use imagination. (laughs) You're too creative. I have no idea what would happen. Well, first of all, he would have been quiet because he couldn't he talk. He can't talk anyways. Can't talk. I referenced this in my sermon, but he kind of had a little mermaid situation where his yeah. voice was taken from him. It's taken. Um, but yeah, if Mary, <laughs> I don't know. I'm always like, would Zach, could Zacharias sense it? Like, because right. he's, he know? you know, he was a religious fellow. Yeah. And w- probably had been one that had been wondering when the Messiah was going to yeah, come. Yeah, he's like, a straight up priest who so, had just met an angel correct. himself. So I'm like, oh, I wonder if Zachariah would have felt something too. Right, because he may be like such on such edge because he's just had this encounter. Uh-huh. His wife's pregnant. Like he may be looking for that Holy Spirit everywhere. everywhere. Or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I just think we don't about, know. I don't know. Like, oh, hey, hey Zachariah. Where's the, <laughs> where's the, where's your wife? And he's like, can't say anything. You can't talk. Points. I don't know. This is also just a funny part of the story. I did my sermon last week kind of strictly about Mary. And this week was about Mary and Elizabeth. And I did not intend to take like a feminism, <laughs> feminist take on all of this. Yeah. But like, these are the females of the story of mm-hmm. how Christ came about. And the men are silenced, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. And like, not a bad way. We love men. Yes. But just in a way where throughout scripture, men had a lot of the big roles. And so for these women to have such an important part is really cool. Yeah. Someone say bigger role, but we're not judging. We're not judging. All people are people. (laughs) So with the Messiah, John the Baptist, all that. Okay. So obviously people were not expecting the Messiah to come through. They weren't expecting a baby. They weren't expecting anything that really happened. Like, everything right. was so different. I feel like maybe it was all built up in their heads, too. Like, when you've been talking about something for generations, mm-hmm. like the coming Messiah, you, like, have these, like, myths and legends of what yes, it will look like. For sure. But if they thought <laughs> there was a baby coming, they probably would have expected an older couple like Elizabeth and Zachariah because the pattern yeah or a couple who had been desperately trying to have a child even if it wasn't like i don't think hannah was particularly old or Mm -hmm. um joseph's you know all these different stories but yeah not mary yeah not we're told the one thing we know for sure about mary is that she was a virgin yeah um and we don't have any history of that in scripture of that happening before right so everything was just kind of a hard left, like, wait, wait, like all the expectations, all the like, well, it could probably, it's probably going to be this. Right. If it's going to, ha- it's probably going to be this. It's like, no, none of that. No, I mean, they may have, I know we always say that they would have expected a rich whatever, but I mean, big people have come from lowly places throughout scripture. Like, I don't think that would have been so unheard mm-hmm. of. Um, but the fact that it's solely from a young girl. Yeah. Is huge and Mm -hmm. so different. And I like that that's, and I say this in my sermon, that that's this convergence of the old and the new. You know, Elizabeth is everything of the Old Testament. These Mm -hmm. old, old people having babies at a very 
old age. Um, and then Mary doing this brand new thing that we've never seen in scripture before. And here they are in the same household together. Yeah. And I love that you point out that Elizabeth embraces Mary and isn't jealous. Why is this important? <laughs> yeah, I just think... <laughs> Um, personally, I have had my own struggles with miscarriages and I know what it's like when a friend is pregnant Mm -hmm. and you're so joyous, but also like, there's like a sting. Oh yeah. Like, oh, they tried once and now they have a kid. And so I think it is natural, especially with something as deep as this to have those feelings. And so for Elizabeth to not be like, Mary, this young girl is now pregnant Mm -hmm. and I've been trying my whole marriage to have a baby. I feel like there's this natural human nature to be competitive um, and to be jealous. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth doesn't demonstrate any of that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's part of her wisdom in being older. Mm -hmm. Maybe she has a better look at life. Um, But also she just embraces Mary. I like to imagine her like enveloping her in her arms. Yeah, that's exactly how I picture it. Like just that, that older relative that just like thinks you can do no wrong almost that just like loves you so fiercely. Right. And that's kind of what I picture. Yeah. And Elizabeth doesn't ask questions like, how is this possible? Tell Mm -hmm. me how it happened. She just inside knows something is different and something is good. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. This is the thing that I cannot stop thinking about. Yep. Is that you point out that in the uh, Magnificat that Mary is like a prophet in this. How have I never thought of Mary as a prophet, <laughs> Stephanie? She is. Like, she's I was like, a straight up prophet. I was like, dang, that's good. <laughs> I mean, that I'm, she's saying the world, the kingdom's going to change. You know, God has picked the lowly. Um, I, let's go to scripture. Let's see exactly what scripture yeah. says. So in the Magnificat, Mary in verse 51 and 52 says, God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Then she goes on to say he's filled up the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty handed. Like that is the epitome of prophecy. It is. And I've read that a million times. Yeah. And I never once was like, oh, that sounds like a, you know, like an Old Testament prophet. Like a prophet. Yeah. Is that Joel speaking? Right. Like if you were to take that out and quiz people. Mm-hmm. For bet, sure. Even though people know this part i don't think they know the specific lines no. i bet they would be like oh yeah that's uh it's one of the minor prophets right people think like oh the magnificat it's mary's like joyous oh i'm pregnant i'm so happy yeah but really she has some like powerful things she to does. say about god's kingdom and how it's happening like that's the definition of what a prophet is i'm just like mad at myself that i'm like how have i missed how have i missed this i i think because Mary's such a big character and does so many big things yeah. that overshadow this. Like, her identity is not prophet. Yeah, but it should be. Now that I read that, I'm it like, okay, how can we say? When you face. list all your prophets, list Mary there. List Mary. Mary, mother of Jesus. There are a lot of Marys. There are a lot of Marys. Gotta clarify. <laughs> yeah. It's like when I did my family's family tree, and I was like, everyone's name is Mary and John Mark. Like, this is very confusing. You're related to Jesus. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just Catholic. Catholic family. Everyone was Mary or John. Or John Mark. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, side story. Okay. 
You had a lot of good lines. I basically just copy and pasted your sermon for like oh, questions. Thank you, Reagan. Just keep telling so. me how great it was. <laughs> okay. So this line you said, in the care of Elizabeth, Mary embraces her voice. So talk about the context around that. Why Why did you say that? Yeah. So I say that because I really do believe Mary is in a safe space. Elizabeth didn't judge her. Elizabeth didn't feel jealous. Elizabeth only gave her joy and support. And so it's when Mary, after receiving this huge proclamation, this annunciation, it's only when she sits with Elizabeth, catches her breath. I like to imagine, you know, just sitting on the couch, finally having that cup of tea. And it's then that her heart kind of comes alive, that we hear her voice. Mm -hmm. Before now, we've heard her ask a question of the angel. How is this possible? And then we've heard her say, okay, yeah, I'll do this. But now we get her reflecting on what it really means. And it's only when she's in this space that she does that. I don't know if she would have gone home by herself or gone out to the woods if she would have proclaimed this. Mm -hmm. I think there's something about the safety that she felt there. Yeah. And I know it sounds kind of rote to say like safe spaces. I feel like that's thrown around right. a lot. But I really think that this is a great visual of what that looks like and what that can mean. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think, you know, Mary walked away from this conversation. There was definitely still plenty to worry about and to be fearful about. Absolutely. All of that. But as I was reading uh, Mary's response and the uh, Magnificat, like, yeah, like I feel like there's this strength to her vo- to her voice. Yeah. You, you named it. She embraces she her embraces voice. It. That she's like, I've got something to say. Yeah. I've got something to bring. And like, buckle up, everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> no things are going to change. I don't know. No, it that's true. And it ends. I love how it this whole Magnificat ends. It says Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Mm-hmm. So she didn't just sit and have this. realization like she stayed and I like to believe like nurtured it Mm -hmm. like let it sit and let it develop yeah I always think about what what kinds of conversations did Elizabeth and Mary have in those three months so many especially before Zechariah got his voice right they're like we did all the talking (laughs) he just watched he actually got his voice back earlier that he just pretended like he didn't have his voice (laughs) that's a funny twist yeah no Reagan's take on scripture yeah which is making it creative it's fine (laughs) you see kind of touched on this before but i still love this line from your sermon there's no competition between the women there's only joy joy for their blessings in the many ways god has provided maybe i am just a very jealous person (laughs) um but for me i just felt like that was such an important message and something that happens when we're in relationship intergenerationally i think when we're with people on our same kind of lifestyle and life stage Mm -hmm. that it's easier to be jealous because we're all kind of competing for the same thing who's getting married first who's having kids who has the best christmas photo whatever that looks like mine will be the best one wait (laughs) wait till you get my card just saying can't wait do you need my address i'll just walk it to your office great the office next door (laughs) but when you are in relationship with those younger or older the competition isn't as relevant or is isn't even evident for the most part i mean my grandmother doesn't have much to be competitive with me about um you're like i would take her down though so <laughs> i no. totally would <laughs> i'm even thinking of my son like i love when he is with 
other people when he sits in my grandmother's lap. Um, and usually I can't keep him still. But in those moments, he sits and plays with blocks on a table because he senses something mm -hmm. that maybe she can't get down on the floor with him or whatever that is. Um, so I think for me, it's important to remember that um, sometimes the jealousy and the competition I feel amongst peers it doesn't have to exist. Mm -hmm. And that when we are in these relationships outside of that generation, it's not as relevant or as evident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, with this, I mean, if I was Elizabeth, like this is just me, I mean, I probably probably been like, well, why, why isn't it reversed? Why don't, why don't I, ha why am I not carrying this side and you have John the Baptist? Right? Exactly. I didn't even talk about that. <laughs> but like, but, oh, you get Jesus. Oh, I just get this hair guy. Yeah, he's gonna wear camel clothes and right. Maybe he hair. wasn't hair. Maybe he just <laughs> he just oh, wore wore. <laughs> he was in the wilderness, y'all. Yeah, I think you made a good point about when you're in different stages. Kind of like I know, like like now that I've been married for a while, like if I don't get invited to a wedding, I'm like, it's fine. I know, like numbers are hard, like or you know, because yeah. you just don't care anymore. No, like you're like, I know what it's like to have to choose and to have to come up with money. Yes, I'm like, it's fine, but if if someone didn't invite me when I was like 20, oh man, yes. I was mad. I bet yeah. we've all had that conversation now when your friend's getting married and they have a lot of sisters or something and you're like, no, please hear me. I don't need to be a bridesmaid. I don't uh, want to be a bridesmaid. I will not be upset. <laughs> I will see you there. I will be mad if you pick me as Let one. me know if I can fold something for you. <laughs> yeah. If you pick me, I will wear whatever you, or I'll wear whatever I want and I will ruin your wedding. <laughs> so don't pick me. Something like that. I think of old people, too, that when I'm like, oh, Miles is screaming or, oh, he has a poopy diaper, who they just fly right in to take care of him. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't care. Like, for me, that stuff, like, brings me down now because I'm so inundated with it. But for them, they're like, he can scream all he wants. Like, I'm totally cool with that. So it's just this perspective that changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think that they just, between these two women, like, they they recognize there's enough joy to go around like they don't they there's don't, not a limit on joy there's not a limit of joy there's plenty for all of us and they want to celebrate each other's joy and that's an important thing for us which is hard as jealous yes. naturally jealous people <laughs> yes to be joyful it doesn't mean you don't have some sense of hurt or right. disappointment but like man i want to share in people's joy yeah we don't want to minimize pain that you feel like right. that's real and valid uh, but how can we also partake in the celebrations together? And that's the message of Christmas, mm -hmm. really, is sharing in that joy with one another and knowing that there's enough for everyone. Okay. I have another quote from your sermon. <laughs> Keep them coming. There is joy in providing safe, safe spaces and offering care to those coming up behind us. So how can the church be a safe space? I mean, you used to do youth ministry in particular. What about these generations coming up? What, what can we be doing? Yeah. So after the sermon, the service on Sunday, um, an older woman came up to me and she was like, you know, there's not a lot of people older than me <laughs> that I can have relationship with. She was like, but I want to be in conversation with my grandkids and kids their age. I want them to know that I don't need to be their best friend. Mm -hmm. I just want to be someone who cares about them and listens to them. And I think that is what youth want, mm -hmm. youth especially I'm speaking to. Uh, I know we've joked a lot. I have joked a lot about TikToks and that's the only way they communicate. Um, but it's not. 
their lives aren't all <laughs> about TikToks. So that may be a way they communicate and demonstrate that. Uh, but they care when people come up and ask them questions, mm -hmm. when people invest in them and don't just look at them and say, oh, those are kids running around. But when you actually take time to ask how someone is, I think that is the starting line for any conversation that you may have. And I think that's our challenge. If we are truly interested in being intergenerational and being in relationship with people of generations, the best leading question is, hey, how are you? What's going on in your life? Mm -hmm. You can say that to someone younger. You can say it to someone older. That's an easy question. But we have to be prepared for what we're going to get to mm -hmm. mm -hmm. because people are going to hopefully really share their stories and it may be messy. And yeah. so what does it mean to listen and to care for and find that comfort and joy in those moments? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually empathize with that a lot. It reminded me of something I haven't thought about in a while. And when I went to college, our youth ministry paired us with an adult we weren't related to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and their job, like looking behind the curtain, I didn't know this until I was much older, but like they're, they only were asked to do something consistently, like every couple of months. They were like, you don't have to call them, you don't have to do anything, but make sure to let them know that you're still thinking about them at least once every two months. And it, the one of the people who had me was like my mom's, my one of my best friend's moms. But it still surprised me when I got a letter from her after two months. Because when you're young, your 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 memory is pretty short. Um, <laughs> they still remember me. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, wow, she so consistency. Like, even I wasn't good about responding to her. I wasn't great about saying thank you. And sometimes youth aren't going to do that either. Nope. Because sometimes they don't. They're, it's awkward. They don't just say to you. I'm not going to always do that either. <laughs> right. But the consistency is like the biggest. It made a huge impact on me. So I don't know. Just doing yeah. even small stuff. With all the school shootings happening, I just wonder how important it is for us to be asking each other how we are um, mm -hmm. and not to rely on, you know, their parents are going to talk to them or they have a great sibling relationship, but instead to just not insert ourselves <laughs> we're not welcome, but mm -hmm. to really genuinely invite those conversations. Yeah. I mean, think about how lonely Mary might have been if she hadn't had Elizabeth. Right. I don't know. It's heavy. Like mm -hmm. what Mary was told was joyous for us looking because we know how great Jesus is in our lives. But for her, that's a big undertaking and that she had a place to go where she felt heard, where she felt seen. And where she felt empowered to speak up is can't be overstated. I mean, I think, um, you know, people hesitate to volunteer with youth or children because they think they're too out of touch or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. I mean, there's a list of, but um, kids, kids and youth don't need a lot. They just need like a presence often that's like consistent. Like Ashley said, that shows up, you know, studies just show that every kid needs five adults that are not family. So we can't use this, the excuse of like, well, they've got two parents or right. they've got one parent. Like, and no, you don't know what's happening at home, y'all. You don't. And so it's like, no, they need more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think, so I have a young adult friend here at the church um, who she's always like, let me know if there's a study with like older people, <laughs> not like in a weird way, but just like that. She wants to be in relationship with people older mm -hmm. who can 
care for her kids, who can ask about them, who can check in, and who can, when things get hard, say, I've been there. Mm -hmm. Not, I've been there, here's the answers, let me fix it. Yeah. But instead, I've been there, period. Yeah. That's why I also really like Project Hope and anything that, um, or tutoring in the schools or just the kindness club that you do at Frankfurt. I mean, you're just showing up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, like I go to Frankfurt and mostly play Uno with eighth grade girls. Yeah. And it's great. Mm-hmm. They Stuff comes up. I don't even really have to pry. I mostly seem like a creeper adult because I seem very old to them. Right. I think <laughs> um, that's sitting at a table with them and they just talk about their lives and mm-hmm. I just get to soak it up. And when one is like, nobody likes me, I get to be like, hey, I don't know if that can be true. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Um, so these moments, they, they're a parent. Kids are willing to talk. We're mm-hmm. all willing to talk. This is just a little encourager to everybody out there to, to volunteer somewhere. Yeah. Be or a mentor. be in a study with people of a different generation. Mm-hmm. They'll welcome you in, I yeah. think. Yeah. Again, you can speak to that maybe more, yeah. but they're not going to be like, hey, we're all old people. We don't take young right. people in this class. Every class I ever talked to is like, we want younger people. <laughs> That's all they ask for. They're like, send us younger people. Okay. So Stephanie, anything personally? Because I don't know if you're like me after I preach a sermon. Usually a lot of it's targeted at myself. Yeah, always. <laughs> so usually I take something home with me to really work on. How do you think you're going to take this message to heart? Of either like reaching out to those older or younger. Do you have any personal challenges? Yeah. So I think over the past six months, Frankfurt, volunteering at Frankfurt has been one of those. So I go every other week to hang out with middle schoolers. Um, and mostly I think I do that because I'm no longer in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I miss having those relationships. Um, but I've also found when I do studies or when I'm just like wandering the halls at the church throughout the week, I do encounter a lot of older people Mm -hmm. and I love our conversations. And so making time for that, not being so stuck to my calendar or to my meetings, but instead um, living in the moment and listening. Uh, I have a grandfather, we call him granddaddy. And he broke his hip this summer. It was a really tragic thing. Uh, but in the time since then, anytime I'm with him, he always tells me these stories. And they're really long stories. He doesn't do anything um, quick. But I've found that my phone can wait in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles can be entertained by someone else in those moments um, that my granddaddy isn't going to be here forever. Yeah. And so I really want to soak up those stories and those moments that I'm with him. So for me, it's... um taking advantage of the time I have left with people older than me um, and making space for those younger than me too. not being so sucked up in my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think um, the pandemic kind of, we touched on this a little bit, just like taught us, like we lost a lot of time with one another and I'm like, man, how do I not take for granted the opportunities to spend time with all, all kinds of people. Um, I know that's one thing that continues to be on my mind because I've, you know, people that I know have either lost someone recently and they hadn't been able to see them hardly at all the last couple right. of years. And I just like, oh, it I, just hurts. Hurt, I just hurt for them. And I do want to encourage um, people to if you need a way to find people of different generations, like maybe you're like, man, everyone at work is the same age as me as me or maybe I'm a stay-at-home mom so I don't really have that flexibility church is like the entry-level place 
Mm-hmm. I cannot um, say that enough that we have every age represented here. And hopefully there are people willing to have these conversations <laughs> like church should be the place where um, you feel love and accepted and that there's joy and comfort. Uh, so that shouldn't be a hard sell to engage in those types of conversations here at the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the classes, I mean, our classes are fairly diverse, like the special ones that we offer. So. Yeah. I mean, we're doing an Advent study right now, and it has a pretty good age range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Steffi, it's a great sermon. Thanks, Reagan. I'm going to keep thinking about Mary a prophet. As Mary is a prophet, I'm like, what? Mary the prophet. Mary the and prophet. And the mother of Jesus. Yeah. She can have more than one title. She can't. She should. She should. <laughs> she literally bared Jesus. Right. Okay. Any last things that we need to invite people to this Advent season or remind people? Yes. There Christ- are things. The Christmas pageant yes! is this Sunday. At 2 p.m. At 2 p.m. You don't want to miss it. We're bringing Miles, who has not really done anything like that. I yeah. think he'll like the kids and the music. Yeah. I'm hopeful. And then on the 19th in Modern Worship, we're doing our iteration of Lessons and Carols. So if you really love the sanctuary and you need more of it, mm-hmm. it'll be with modern-ish music. But they're all still Christmas songs, yeah. you know. You can't get too modern with the classics. And then we have Blue Christmas, which is the 21st. Yeah, Tuesday night at 6.30. And that'll be a good service if you've had a hard year, if you've lost someone, it's just a good space to come. Yeah, or if the holidays are just hard, period. And then Christmas Eve. (laughs) All the services. All the services. And then the 26th, we'll have one traditional and then modern as well. We're still taking things for Dooley Christmas Market. We have another week on that. Yes. So any items, you know, sometimes people give you like stocking stuffers that you just put in a drawer. <laughs> that is great. These kids would love to re-gift those. Yeah. New stuff. And we really need help. Yeah. Sorting stuff. So basically, if you show yeah. up to the church the next week, just we come on in. We could help. Intergenerational, y'all. <laughs> yes. You can help sort all of the donations. Yep. Well, this has been fun, Stephanie. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And y'all have a wonderful week and stay healthy and safe and hope you get your Christmas shopping done. Preach. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.